0: Um, we've been now for a while in the Book of Acts. Uh, it, it feels actually more than a while that we've been in the Book of Acts. But we are trying to just um, follow through with what the Lord put in our hearts earlier this year to start uh, speaking from this book, and through having different speakers come in, and you know, also being true to what the Lord is speaking to us currently. It's been hard to kind of truck through this, but I'm going to get back on on uh, in sync with what the Lord told us in the beginning of the year to. Kind of focus on. So we're in the book uh, of Acts, chapter 19, if you want to turn there. Be great. Again, we're going to make this uh, brief for the kiddos so they don't lose their minds. I know what it's like to have a kid. My, I'm with my son, that he is, uh, well, he's just on the move. So, anyways, Acts chapter 19. Uh, many of you may know this is Paul's third missionary trip don't know, it says it right, probably at the beginning of your Bible, depending on what translation you have. Um, He goes to Ephesus, and the background of Ephesus is kind of interesting. Actually, I believe, if I heard my wife right, in the previous chapters, uh, Paul wasn't really going to, at this time, go to Ephesus. He was um, at a point of seeking the Lord where to go, and uh, didn't really have any direction. And um, I, I don't know specifically the place he chose to go, but in the midst of choosing to go to that place, the Lord kind of interrupted him and changed his direction. And he ended up in, in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a dark region. I want to emphasize dark region for many reasons. You know, there's a, there is a reason why we're in the book of Acts. It's we're believing for, uh, if you've been around this community, many people say that we have our own language. It's true, we do. You know, if you hang out around us enough, you hear the same thing probably in our prayers. And I love that because there's something about consistency and there's something about, uh, you know, constantly making your petitions uh, before the Lord in prayer. And I, I just heard it last night that, that, that Jehob has their own language, and we do. Uh, but back to the Acts chapter 19 and Ephesus being a dark region, uh, I want to kind of zone in on that because it gives me great hope, as we're going to see later on in this chapter, uh, how the Lord moved mightily in Ephesus, in, in a region that was dark in many ways, and many of us are probably familiar with uh, some of the background of Acts chapter 19. It was dark. Uh, one, there was, a, there was an idol, a certain, uh, you know, it was an idol, it was handcrafted, it was worship. Uh, that the, the people of Ephesus worshiped. Uh, and through that, there was an open door to just uh, uh, occultic practices, you know, worship of idols, sorcery, all, all, all types of stuff. And we even see that kind of play out later in the, uh, the same chapter where, um, where the three Jewish people tried to kind of mimic what Paul was doing and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Uh, because they were seeing something that was working, you know, and they decided to kind of brand up, you know, like, Paul's casting them out in the name of Jesus, so can't we, and it, it backfired on them, unfortunately. <laughs> well, not unfortunately, uh, fortunately. But let's go on here, right in the first chapter. Already covered the kind of background of Ephesus. There was a Greek goddess. That, the name of the goddess was Athemis, at, uh, at I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Um, again, the, this, uh, this goddess was a... Um, it, it wasn't just a, you know it was an idol yes but it was a place of where many people in Ephesus um, were able to live and have their paychecks you know it'd be more no, no more so if you're a carpenter going to work for your carpentry uh, firm or whatever it might be or whatever it might be and you actually gaining income out of your work well there was a huge um, employment you know market with crafting these idols and what we're going to find out get a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, but we're going to find out that the Lord actually shakes that. He uses this missions uh, trip, this third missions trip by Paul, to actually shake the economic uh, foundations of, of Ephesus. It's really awesome. And it gives me great hope. You know, we just don't want to drudge through the book of Acts. I say this time and time again because it's it maybe a good idea it's just another book in the Bible. We hope to impart faith in us... To believe God for great, great manifestation of His power and glory, as uh, we know, many pastors, preachers have labeled the New England area as like the the, de- the the burial ground of pastors, the burial ground of ministry. It's a dark place here, and I don't want to emphasize on that. And some of you may uh, disagree with that, but I've been, I've lived here all my life. I'm 33 years of age now, and um, I've seen it play out in many ways. Being in the ministry for many years and even not, even in my life as a non-believer, I was involved with it. And uh, But here in the book of Acts, I get great faith to believe God for impossible things. And that's really the essence of why we want to focus on the book of Acts. It's not just to drudge through line upon line, precept upon precept, although we're being faithful to do that, it's to inspire. You know, I read the book of Acts, it inspires me, it provokes me. Paul's messages, Paul, the things that... Uh, the Acts of the Apostles they, they spur me in a way that it's like Lord you can do this again you just need some willing vessels amen. so in reading this I, I kind of want to lay out the storyline of seeing how in a three year uh, period of this missionary trip that Paul went on the Lord opened the heavens over Eph- Ephesus and shook that region for his glory through this missions trip it's possible I mean we've been here now for six years you know And we're believing the Lord. We're not just believing Him, but we're actually trying to step out in our weakness and trying to bring forth His kingdom in any way that we possibly can, both in prayer and also in the public square. It's not easy. But we believe that through stationing and posturing our lives here, that eventually the Lord is going to run the heavens. You know, it wasn't just a suddenly thing. That's what I like about this, because the Bible here in Acts chapter 9 says that Paul actually set up camp in this area for three years. It's, it was really the longest missions trip that Paul uh, did. Or uh, Yeah, actually he did. There's something to be said about that. So he waits and he kind of sets up camp. Let's start in the first verse I'm I'm going to start in uh, verse chapter 2. You can read verse 1 when you're home. Uh, We're going to go line upon line, line, precept upon precept, so I hope I don't bore you. Some will feel like I'm preaching. Some will feel like I'm just talking. So um, hopefully uh, the Lord will work it out. Um, Anyways, did you receive... Now, let me give some context here before I go into this. Paul, he's on the outer skirts of Ephesus. He runs immediately into 12 uh, people, Jewish people, uh, and he starts doing like a background check. These 12 people. So here we are in verse 3. He's with the 12. He's asking the questions. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine that? So, hold on one second. We haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. That what baptism, then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. So here we are, we have. Twelve young men, or twelve men who haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit, and are just um, have been baptized in the baptism of John. Paul, you know, does a little background check. He understands that you know this isn't right. You're missing out on something, and he decides what? Well, he decides to baptize them immediately. And so we go on. Uh, we go on. They're baptized, and later on in verse six, I'm going to kind of trudge through it because we got a lot of ground to cover, and I don't want the kids to get. Uh, Board, uh, verse six. Then when Paul laid his hands, now he's baptizing him in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. Now, not much there. Pretty, pretty, pretty simple and forward. Paul meets these guys. They, they've only received the baptism of John. He says, "Listen, you're not you're not understanding. You need the fullness. We're going to give you Christ. We're going to baptize you, and the promise of the Father." He does it right then and there. And I love what the writer in Acts. kind of emphasize, although it might be small to us, it's big to me especially uh, with the current controversy in the gifts of the Spirit or with the gifts of the Spirit it goes on and he says right there in verse 6 later he says, they spoke in other tongues and prophesied, I love that the writer emphasized or that he at least puts that that in there, why? because it quickly identifies I think, even according to Scripture and we don't have much time to get there but the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's such controversy over these issues. You know, rather if tongues is for us as believers today, or if we prophesy, we actually uh, can speak um, things that only heaven has knowledge of. And I love that the writer emphasizes on that for for nothing more than just that um, that. In other scriptures, it actually talks about, and I'm sorry, I tried to Google them, I tried to look for them, I know one part of my life I actually read them, but the scripture actually says the evidence of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. It doesn't go on to say prophecy, but I think it's kind of, when you see scriptures like that, and you know that the constant war against the gifts of the Spirit, a red flag seems to sometimes go up, is why is there such a a, a war or a struggle over these issues? But I love that the writer of Acts, um, kind of highlights those things, because I think they're important. I think they're important. You know, he could have just stopped at just saying he baptizes them and, and, and Jesus' baptism, but he doesn't. He emphasizes immediately that they spoke in tongues and other languages and prophesied. Anyways, moving right along, verse 8. So from there, Paul goes into the temple. Now that was custom. Paul usually went right to the temple first and immediately started his mission or his ministry. And here, he first starts stops with these 12 guys and we see the quick interaction of just um, him responding quickly to uh, some of the things that they don't have and he gives them. And he goes from there and he goes to the synagogue and he begins to preach uh, boldly for the next three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. I love the word arguing. I love the word arguing. Yeah, preaching is good, but I love the word arguing. I don't necessarily love to argue, but I love that it kind of puts forth this kind of uh, tenacity in Paul's heart to not shrink back. You know, in modern day Christianity, we think if people just merely agree with us, it's going to be God. We think if people can nod their heads and give us an amen while we're preaching, that truly the Spirit of God are gods at work. But not necessarily here, we even see that some in verse 9 were irate at what he was speaking. And they they publicly spoke out against Paul right there as he was speaking. Shows opposition. So, you know, many for, many of us want the case, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We just want to get along with you and hopefully we can skate by. I and mean, even tonight, you know, I'm hoping I can please you. But that, is that really the end all of what God's called us to do? No. There's arguing, there's tension here. People are actually opposed to what Paul is saying. And Paul is not just meek and mild about it. He's arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. I think that's awesome. shows the character of Paul, but it also inspires me not to be so flaky. You know, we got a lot of flaky Christians out there. I'm not trying to be hard. I used to be one. Uh, maybe in some ways I still am. I'm trying to change it. Um, in many ways, we want everybody just to get along with us. And again, referring back to what I said earlier, that if people just nod their heads and give us an amen, maybe a little pat on the shoulder after we speak or after we lead worship, it's good. But you know, normally we see in the book of Acts, there was a lot of contention. God was totally using these apostles to, to redefine things as they currently knew it. The New Testament church was being birthed. I mean, this is remarkable. So we see opposition in verse nine. So Paul, what does he do after arguing persuasively? He goes and says, "You know what? I'm taking my homies." He takes the stuff with Jesus said, "If they don't receive you, just dust your feet off and move on." He does just that, and he takes those who are receiving uh, his message with him, and he goes into what I like to call the first Bible school, <laughs> you know, ever in the New Testament. He lectures these people for a good three months. It's simply just. A group of people sitting down under the teaching and the tutelage of Paul. It's awesome. First Bible school. That's why we have so many now. Because of Acts. Amen. Moving on. Let me just grab myself and my notes here. We're gonna, we're gonna, we are going to camp out at some of this, but um, for the most part, going line upon line, precept upon precept. And here, this is what I was referring to earlier, that actually Paul set up camp for three years. It says in verse 10 uh, that they went on doing this for the next two years. Now, I'm guesstimating, you know, between the two months spent in the lecture hall and the prior of Paul getting even there, that it was estimated to be three years. Actually, I heard a scholar say it, so I'm going with it, Um, although it says two years here. but. Again, we see that this was the longest uh, missionary trip that Paul went on. He actually set up. I believe Paul set up camp there because it was so hard. It was so dark. And he knew that it wasn't just going to be an in-and-out kind of siege or an in-and-out kind of, uh, uh, you know, dealing. But the, he was actually going to have to, you know, break the heavens over that place. And he actually does. He actually does. And we start to see it later on in these scriptures. go down to verse uh, 11 when we read this verse I want to go back to just me mentioning that Ephesus was a dark place there was uh, definitely a counterfeit supernatural type thing happening in in their culture uh, between idol worship sorcery all sorts of demonic stuff was going on and uh, here we see in uh, uh, verse 11 let's read God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs and aprons that were merely tu- that merely touched the skin were placed on sick people, they were healed their di- from their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Remarkable. I heard one guy say, you know, it just doesn't say here miracles, that the Bible uh, puts a little thing before miracles. It says unusual miracles. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to be... Uh, demonically oppressed, or if I needed healing in my body, and merely somebody today, you know, just got the handkerchief. And I know we try to replicate that in the charismatic world. I actually think it's funny people trying to sell holy water and you know, water from some kind of holy place, or, or some kind of, you know, material of, of article of clothing. Uh, I just don't get it. But uh, here we see, and this is where it's, it comes from, the Lord. Uh, um, using Paul to perform unusual miracles, I, I truly believe that because of the uh, demonic stronghold in Ephesus, it's why the Lord chose to perform unusual miracles through Paul. You know, and, and, and again, miracles are only to back up the preaching of the Word of God. You know, you uh, and I think, you know, miracles without first the preaching of the Word of God is useless. Because honestly, if if you really think about it, it was it's what Ephesus was already practicing in. Miracles, I mean, there was no Word of God, there was no Christ within them, but there was a power, a demonic power, to perform supernatural things. And what does the Lord do, in His wisdom, is He starts, you know, under the hot sun, Paul's ministering, He's just... Naturally, wiping his brow, you know, per se, and and, and you know, throwing his brow, throwing his little cloth to his helpers. I mean, I mean, look at me. I mean, I don't think my sweat is going to heal you, <laughs> although that would be great. Uh, but it would be no more than that. Paul just wiping his brow, casting it off, and somehow, some way, that little piece of cloth and that material getting passed through the crowd, and uh, you know, people are just getting healed. I mean, that is unbelievable. And isn't it so cheap for the church to kind of in a in a I don't I don't know how to explain or what the right word would be to use, but isn't it so cheap that we try to sell something that is so profound in Scripture that we try to use you know because a Scripture uh, may uh, back it up or a certain time in Scripture's history may back it up that we try to use that for some financial gain or whatnot. No, here in Acts, Paul probably had no. Awareness, you know, you got to understand. There's probably thousands of people around him. while he's ministering? He has no awareness, you know. And even if he does, I highly doubt that he would use that to market himself or to try to make profit. Even up to this part, it was believed that Paul worked during the day and ministered during the evening. He, you know, and some people would kind of maybe disagree with that. And 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 I I know later on in Paul's ministry, he certainly. Uh, was a full-time minister. But in the beginning, he gave himself, from what the Scripture says, to his trade, and to the ministry of the Lord. So there was no place in him to try to think of, well, how can I get money? You know, i got to pay my bills, I'm ministering, people got no money, I'm going to sell these handkerchiefs. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think it's cheap that, that today in the church, we're, we're, we're willing to sell anything. You know, not even if it was... Not even if it was at, 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 at like the, the basis of the Scripture to back it up, but just because we want to make money. Maybe we're struggling church or whatever it might be. But no, there was an anointing here, and the Lord used it. Why? Because there was a dark spirit over Ephesus. And not only did He use the proclamation of the Word, He used unusual miracles. I love that. Why don't we, you know, or why don't I, I that's always better when I throw it on myself, why don't I have that expectation within my spirit for unusual miracles in my city? Even now, just trying to get through the evening service. I mean, there just seems something so cheap when you don't enter into like really experiencing the fullness of what God has to give and offer us. You know, we merely just... I mean, we have faith for healings and we have faith for uh, demonic people that are oppressed to get set free, but we don't necessarily exercise that. I mean, if I'm going to pray for someone, I'll just be honest and transparent with you, if I go to pray for somebody who may have like a bum eye, or like a short leg, I don't know, or short arm, or whatever it might be, I don't necessarily know that I have the confidence, and yeah. when I go to them and pray to them, that God is actually going to do something. There's something wrong with that, and the book of Acts highlights it. The book of Acts should be a litmus, litmus test in the church, the body today. You know, Christ said that greater things we will do now that he has gone to be with the Father. Why aren't we living in that reality? Why ain't I living in that reality? Well, that's why we've chosen to study the book of Acts, to be provoked, to be inspired, to, to make that reality a reality. So, Paul's used to perform unusual miracles. Handkerchiefs are being passed about. People are getting healed. That's awesome. Delivered from evil spirits. Love it. Go down to verse 13. Here we have, uh, I believe the writer here in Acts is kind of just um, re emphasizing the point that there was mixture in Ephesus, um, that there was a certain power. That uh, that the unbelievers had that these guys who were practicing witchcraft and sorcery, um, they honestly just got caught up in a new way of doing things. If you really study this out, they were hearing as Paul's uh, accounts were passing through Ephesus. I mean, remarkable things are happening, and and the buzz is starting to circulate all through Ephesus. It's starting to just you hear what Paul's doing, you hear what this minister you know is doing, and uh, it starts to circulate, and they just. You know, be it maybe their performance is a little weak and they're not seeing thing happen. They happen. They simply just try to do what they hear Paul's doing, and they simply try to cast out uh, you know evil spirits in the name of Jesus, the the Jesus that Paul serves. And that spirit uh, in this particular person turns on them and beats them, strips them naked. Why? Because it was absent of salvation. It was absent of Christ. So again, I, I don't want to spend too much time there, but simply, just that kind of uh, contrast between a, a, a powerful God and powerful darkness uh, at work, and it turned on these guys, uh, and it's, it's, it's a great story. Why? Because in 16, we find that this account starts to spread all throughout Ephesus. It starts to go. Not only Paul's ministry starts to spread, but the uh, what happened to these three guys, these three Jewish three guys... Uh, Starts to spread and the fear of the Lord descends. The Bible says the fear of the Lord descends on Ephesus and people start repenting of their sin and turning to God. I love it. Paul doesn't even have to do anything. He simply is just at the right place at the right time doing his ministry. Some three guys screw up. They look stupid. They're beaten. They're stripped. They're naked. They're foolish. But it spreads out and the fear of the Lord grips. A, a, a great number of people. And it says that the fear of the Lord gripped them, and the name of the Lord was um, sorry, greatly honored. That's in 17, the end of 17. What do we see here? City transformation without even the preaching of the Word, you know, without, without somebody going out in the square and singing nice little tunes to Jesus We see city transformation happening because, honestly, the same source of darkness that these three three men were serving turns on them. They say, we know Jesus, we know Paul, but we're not too sure who you are. Word spreads and Ephesus is caught up in in a revival where the unsaved are filled with the fear of God, the fear uh, of the Lord, the Lord that Paul serves. Awesome. Awesome. Are you getting this? I mean, it may, may not be flashy. I may not be using the right words, but the message in the message alone is an, is provoking for me. Is it not? You know, that's some of our problems as we look for the pastors and the preachers and the, the gifts of God. Come on, I got I got no life within me. Pull pull a bunny out of your hat, preacher man. You know, <laughs> cut the woman in half. Stir me and. Often, guys, the Word in the Word alone is enough to stir the heart. Come on. I prayed earlier in the beginning. It's not an accountability issue. It's a fascination issue. You know, you may be struggling with a lot in your life, and I tell you, you can meet with anybody you want. You can have your little sit-downs with your pastors and give them your woes. It's not going to help. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's a fascination issue. You begin to ask God, you can ask Him that's the great thing about it if you feel dead in your you know your, your air, the area of fascination with Jesus fascination in His Word you can simply ask God I do it all the time I, I, I did it this morning I did it last night before prayed guys it's, it's not just a one time thing we constantly sign up so if you're bored if you're dull if you're always looking for you know that's why we have so much church hopping going on because if one church doesn't perform good enough we're just going to go on to the next. And hopefully, they do a good job. And they may do good, but then you may have one service that's just off, and you're like, I'm not going to that place anymore. No. Friend, the issue's not with that place. The issue is with you. I don't know where I'm going with this. But anyways, Ephesus caught up in revival. Man, fear of the Lord descends. I love it. The fear of the Lord descends. What does that look like? We don't even have a grit for that. I don't even... I don't even have a, a a like what is what what would it be if the fear of the lord dropped upon cambridge massachusetts and the name of the lord was was honored greatly <laughs> I, but honestly guys this this is what the scripture is meant to do it can happen today this is not just something that is that is old and not alive today for our human experience It's alive. It's powerful. I'm looking. God, raise up the Pauls. Come on, raise up the apostolic witness in our city. It's 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 a prayer. I think we always pray. God, raise up a witness. Why? Because we want the fear of the Lord to descend, and it just doesn't happen in a nice, you know, uh, little house where people just congregate and pray. No, you gotta do something. Paul did something. Of course he was a man of prayer. I'm not yelling, please, just pass your way. Don't get me confused. Just pass away. told you, some will feel like I'm preaching, some will feel like I'm talking. But Paul was a man of prayer, but he was a man of action. You can pray and and I, listen, I'm a I'm a I, I am a I love prayer. I love to pray. I mean my wife, I mean she's she's uh, She's, she's like the poster child for prayer. <laughs> so, so I love to pray, but prayer absent of action. You might as well just, you know, hide yourself in your closet. And, and you know, and I'm, I, I understand that action seem, is, is different to all of us. It is. It's different to me than what it is to you. I'm a full-time minister. I should be active in my community, active in my neighborhood, active in the city square. You may be in the workplace. You may be at college. You're supposed to be active. What what does action look like? I understand that maybe some of us have a bad view or perspective and maybe even been annoyed by some people who have taken an aggressive action uh, when it comes to sharing the gospel of Christ. But listen, don't let that excuse uh, cause you not to take action. It could be with one person. Don't wait. Three years and then you graduate and it's over. You don't have that one person anymore. You're like, Lord, I know you always spoke to me to talk to Johnny. But we're graduating tomorrow and he's leaving tonight, so I guess it's not going to work. No, take action. Your workplace. The Lord will put people on your heart. He will put things, in, and it's not just a good idea or the pizza you ate last night or or, or uh, whatever. Or the nice scripture. It's actually the Holy Spirit saying, Reach out, take action. You know, that's honestly what prayer does, anyways. It's the first and second commandment. It's the engagement of our hearts and spirit responding to the Lord in love with Him with all our heart, soul, mind, the whole gamut, just Lord, we love You. We are fascinated, we're in prayer, blah, 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 blah. But then the second commandment needs to be just as the first. Out of that love, we begin to reach out to our neighbor. That neighbor just simply doesn't mean the person who lives next year, although that might be the person. It means whoever you come into contact with, You're a witness. You're an agent of which the Lord wants to use in that person's life. And Paul was a man of action. We see that in Acts. He just, you know, anyways, we saw it right in the beginning of this chapter where he is arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. He's not saying, well, sorry brothers, you don't agree with me. I'm going to leave now. I love you. I'm just going to take my three that agree with me. We're going to go start our own Bible school. No, he is, he is in the face of opposition. And I would say, even daringly say, even in my own heart, that I might even have a negative response to Paul's message. Would you? Would you be the one going away with him to his Bible school? Or would you be the one opposition goddess? There's something of which the Spirit wants to lead us into where we can begin to have the... Thank you, sweetie. We begin to have the foreknowledge of what Christ is doing in the earth that when we see actually the expression begin to come out of what Christ wants to do in the earth, we're not offended, but we sign up and say, I want that. You know, five, six years ago, prayer was simply something that happened before Sunday morning and a midweek service. All the while... A small remnant of people, specifically IHOP uh, uh, KC and and J-HOP, Lou Engel, had the foreknowledge of what the Lord wanted to do in prayer. But yet it seems so... I don't know if this is the right word, but it seems so limited to just, Lord, please bless our worship this morning. God, would you anoint the pastor this morning... That's all well and good. But now we see what the Spirit wanted to do years ago actually right in front of our faces. And all over America, small, large communities giving themselves to night and day prayer. Again, I don't know where I'm going with that. But there's something that the Spirit wants to do that gives us foreknowledge that we don't, we don't get offended when we have somebody declaring, you may be offended with me now. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming... That there might be some, maybe maybe you all maybe you're all happy, I'm glad if you are. But begin to ask yourself the question, is it him or is it me? You know how many times I I've got offended at different ministry gifts and different speakers that just oh, they, you know, you're like, and instead of just letting that kind of iron sharpen iron or that kind of two edged sword come down and just separate what's lies and what is of the spirit in me. Uh That's that's naturally what the Lord wants to do in that process. There is a huge difference between condemnation and just simply the Lord wanting to convict your heart. And I've come through the years, I'm not too old, but I'm getting old. I feel old. Uh, I know, that might be funny to some of you, but I do. (laughs) But through the years, I have wanted to allow the Lord to challenge me. It doesn't mean you're welcome, Matt. Doesn't mean that you have no Holy Spirit to discern the gifts, but we are too uh, quick to react to what often the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our hearts negatively. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anyways, kind of going back to go forward. City transformation. And we're going to see this later in the scriptures. We're going to shoot down to 23. We've got. Uh, kind of use this term a lot, that in the book of Acts, we see a great light displayed, great acts displayed for the, of the apostles, but we also see, in tandem to that light, we see a great darkness. You know, when when the Spirit of God is at work, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I get it, okay, yeah, there's just no victory. But in, in, in the book of Acts, we see that, you know, in conjunction, if that would be the right word, uh, to that great light being released that the Lord's doing great things in the book of Acts. We see a great darkness. Touched upon it, I think, three weeks ago. I think I was in uh, Acts chapter 9. We saw it very vividly, up to the point of persecution, where where their people were being beheaded uh, for the message um, and for their, their belief. Again here, we see the, the Lord uh, kind of descend upon the city with fear and trembling but then there comes the response why to go back in the city of Ephesus this idol uh athenus i think is the way was a great source of income for the people of Ephesus when they crafted him it was it was said some scholars say that it was it was no more so than going to like mardi gras or new orleans to just it was a huge tourist attraction. People were just, you know, going there, buying this thing up, taking it back in their home. It was huge. Millions and millions of dollars uh, uh, funneled into this industry. It would be like the pornographic industry in America. It would be like that ended. That's huge. And through, times, uh, through Paul's time in Ephesus, this economic foundation begins to be shaken where people are uh, not seeing the wealth, (laughs) and people aren't buying this idol. And it enrages a certain man, who is kind of like the poster child for uh, this industry, and and he kind of gets everybody together and says, people, do we see what's going on? We truly need to respond, or we are going to lose not only our goddess that we worship, but we are going to lose the source of our income, the source of our revenue. All that feeds your families. All that. But again, I don't want to. I don't want to focus there. I want to focus on what God is doing. I mean, it is unbelievable. Again, I liken it to like just the pornographic industry being shaken with uh, uh, a huge. Uh, you know, people not going to their websites, people not buying their their uh, their Whatever that is. <laughs> they, uh, but people just not showing an interest. And overnight, it's simply just being like them gathering, everybody saying, guys, what's going on here? What, we need to do something. Anyways, they, they drag these guys uh, before the high courts. They want to slaughter them. The people wanna, they want to. They want them done or in prison or whatever. Um, luckily, uh, the uh, judges had wisdom, and they said these guys have done nothing wrong. They've stole nothing. They haven't even talked. This is the remarkable thing. They haven't even talked against our goddess. But simply, we see what the Lord's doing without really even having, having to um, put, put that much of an, of an emphasis on, on the goddess other than hurting their pockets. You know, they're not going and preaching against this idol. It doesn't refer to that in Scripture, but they are simply, uh, by the power of God, discrediting the economical foundation of Ephesus. And it's shaking the city. Luckily, like I said, in the end here, the judges are do not see anything wrong. It's kind of like the Jesus thing, where the court is just willing to wash their their hands of it. And um, you know, the, the high priests are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, we'll, they just hand them over. But they didn't. In this case, they simply said these guys have done nothing wrong. They've stolen nothing. They have not spoken ill against the goddess. We have no wrong, no record of wrong towards these. Remarkable. If I could summarize the book of Acts, I'm I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19. If I could summarize this chapter, it's simply this: city transformation. I know that I, 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 I've said that time and time again, but I want to, I want to say it again and again and again. Why? Because if you hang around with me in Bethany uh, at all. That's what our heart bleeds for. We didn't come here to just build a nice little prayer meeting with nice little folk. You know, um, we didn't come here to have a nice little Sunday service. You know, with nice folk. Although it's great, I love nice folk and I love nice services. But we actually have a strong desire—more than a desire—it actually has consumed us. One, because of our history. I mean, if you track through me and Bethany's life and. I mean, since I was 16, I've always worked in ministry with her, and her mom, and, uh, and then I married her, and then I'm still working in ministry with her. She hired me. I don't know, I, some of you are scratching your head, <laughs> but she did. <laughs> but anyways, our heart bleeds, and I say that just in reference to saying that we strongly are zealous for city transformation, and we desire not only a praying community, that is, but also a church community, that is. And sometimes it's going to take us feeling a bit uncomfortable to do extraordinary things for God. I couldn't imagine taking, in my, and this might be astonishing for some of you, but I couldn't imagine taking some of the stances that Paul took in the book of Acts. Remarkable. But you know what? It was in those uh, decisions and those stances that he took in preaching the word boldly that. God was able to do great and extraordinary things. And I would say, sometimes we focus a little too much in prayer, God, rend the heavens! But honestly, when God begins to rend the heavens, seriously guys, who does He use? He uses His church. He uses His people. So, we need, as a community, I'm going to close with this, to not just be, although we will always be, in the place of prayer but active in the city square You know, active in Harvard square, that's why, you know, some of you guys think maybe it's just a good idea that we go and we play little songs and we kind of weirdly put our earbuds in and circle Harvard we've been doing it for six years guys because we believe that if it's not even hugely dramatic that God is going to break out upon that campus, even if it's on one or two people it starts to gather kids into their dorm room for times of prayer. But that's what we believe. We believe that, and that's why we do it, we believe that our, this city will be covered with the glory and knowledge of God. And in many cases, does it take some time? Does it take some laboring? Yeah. But I'm encouraged by Paul's three-year missions trip to Ephesus. It's a long time for him. He was apostles. If you guys know current pro- apostles, even biblical apostles... They like to go from place to place, thing to thing. You know, just, no, Paul sets up camp. But I kind of feel like that's what we've been doing here at Jehovah, setting up camp. We've seen little fruit, we've seen little hope. But you know, we're holding on. We're holding on to the dream and the vision that God has given us. And I want to say, I want to say, is your dream bigger than your own life? Or for your own life? You know, I often have to ask myself that. If, if, it's my dream just for my success in ministry, you know, just to have a stage. I've already I've already had a decent stage. You know, if you guys hang around, me or Bethany, you'd find remarkable things. You would ask yourself why we're here right now doing what we're doing. But you know back to what I was saying, is your dream bigger than you as an individual? You know? Paul's was. And I can say confidently that mine's becoming bigger than myself. You know? That's why we intercede. That's why we pray. You know, I was meeting with a, a young man, a great young man. I believe this young man is falling away from the Lord right now. Uh, I don't know his current status, but I was having dinner with him. and um, When he first came to Jehob, he was so zealous... His, his dream was bigger than just getting his education. You know, although that played a part, he definitely uh, knew that the Lord was going to get an education and graduate. But I remember his, his first couple words to me, was he believes that he's here, because the Lord first sent him to do a work on Harvard campus. And he's a very, if you got, if you got to know him, very gentle, very meek young man. But I was astonished to actually meet somebody who at the time's vision was was bigger than just getting a diploma. And, and listen, it's not. I'm just using him as a reference point. I'm not coming against education. So please don't don't put me there. Not, uh, it could be anything. You know, for me, for you. But you know, being a prayer uh, a praying community, our, our our dreams have to be bigger than just our individual progress. You know, and our individual uh, self succeeding. And that is ultimately a role of an intercessor. And that's ultimately what the Lord wants to use to do something profound in the city. If you don't believe that the Lord wants to do something profound in the city, this may not be the right place for you in the right fitting. But if you do, I want to encourage you to lay hold of it. To set to 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 allow God to let you set your heart on a pilgrimage until the fulfillment of that dream happens. And that's why we're here but also not trying to attack personal dreams. I have many of them myself. Let's just close our eyes with a word of prayer. But I, I ask, Lord, that in my weakness, Lord, that your strength would be manifested. Lord, in the hearts of these that are here today, but I ask, Lord, that you would give us, here at Jehovah, a strong appetite, strong seal for your Lord, to be manifested not just in our community, not just on Sunday, but God in the public square in his place. Lord, in Harvard Square, Lord, in Central Square, God, we ask, Lord, would you use us to demonstrate your power and your glory? Father, would you perform unusual miracles through us, God? God, we desire you. We desire you not just for ourselves, but for a hurting and barren land called Cambridge, Massachusetts. Father, I ask God, if there's anybody here whose vision is nearsighted, it's limited, that Lord, by your grace, you would lift our eyes. Lord, that you would help us by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to see the greater thing of what you want to accomplish in our lives. Lord, our time here spent getting our education, Lord, our time in our workplace, Time in our families, Lord, we ask for every aspect, every dynamic of our life. Use it to display your glory and power. In Jesus' mighty name, we Amen. I don't want anybody leaving without getting prayer. We're going to officially dismiss everybody. Uh, but if you need prayer for anything, I'm going yeah. to freshen my breath. We don't want you to leave without your needs um, being acknowledged. Uh, so I'm going to sit here for a little bit. If you're welcome to go. You're welcome to fellowship, do whatever it is you want to do. Go. I'm going to stand here for a little bit. If you need prayer for anything, I want to pray for you. I will place. And listen, we love you. Don't be a stranger. There's nothing that hurts your heart when you just feel like you have a bunch of strangers with you. We want community. We want relationship. Amen. And then the Bible calls us to. Uh, not, not a place of strangers where we barely know each other's names. Yeah. We love you guys. Be blessed, alright?